You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. And who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hand? Exactly. And who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hand? What does that mean? That, that, is, that is astounding. That is astonishing. That is um, awesome. Just the lines we have sung tonight already. I mean, just incredible truth when you allow it to be what it is. Truth. It's the astounding glory of the incarnation. And another way to say that is the phrase of our series that we begin now is God with us. I, I remember well the first Christmas that the glory of this truth began to be understood in this hardened sinner's life. I remember the Christmas Eve service and I was stage right. I was second row in this smallish room. And I remember sitting there and I have heard the Christmas story at this time as a young adult. Thousands of times growing up in the home that I grew in and all the services I went. I heard it thousands of times. I could probably recite to you all the different aspects of it. And yet I sat there in that service and for the first time in my life, the truth and the light of Christmas started to trickle and then flow down into my mind. I was sitting there stunned for the first time in my life as I began to make sense of all that was said to me all those years before. You know what happened? As, as the truth began to enter into my mind, the joy began to fill my heart. I sat there as a probably 22 years old and all of a sudden I could see for the first time the light of Christmas. I could see it. I could see the light shining in the darkness. I could feel the love of Christmas. I could feel it. I could feel the power that God so loved the world he gave his only son. I could feel the love of the angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And I could comprehend a tiny bit the staggering humility that is found within the incredible glory and joy and truth of Christmas, specifically within the doctrine of the incarnation. And what I described to you right there, in my experience of 20 years ago, that is the great purpose of this series we start today. That what? That the light of the truth of the incarnation, listen, would lead to the heat of the affection and adoration of Jesus Christ, the God of and within the incarnation. See, every true fire gives off light. But the main reason we light fires is for light, but it's also for heat. And that is what theology is supposed to do. True theology is to give light, but not stop there. It gives light to the mind and heat to the heart. And when theology is properly applied, lives are changed, affections are stirred, and people get pretty fired up for the things that matter in this world, namely the glory and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this series on the doctrine of the incarnation. I was talking to one of our staff members this week, and we were walking out of the parking lot as the day ended, and 
He said to me, he said, you know, I'm really excited about this series in the incarnation. I said, yeah, why is that? He, because I, I know my worship will be renewed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it, loved ones. That's it. Why do we do this? At the end of the day, you and I would be greater worshipers of the one who is worthy of our praise. Think about it. The most powerful moments in the biblical Christmas story, the most powerful moments by far in the biblical Christmas story are all fully centered on the worship of the one. Every time God shows up and moves, it is someone staggered, wise men bowing, shepherds running, Mary pondering, angels singing, all because the Lord is worthy of all our glory. That is the power of the biblical Christmas story. It always rightly ends in worship of the one who is worthy of our praise. And if you and I take the journey, and if we, as a friend of our family said so many years ago, I've never forgotten it, if we tread softly off to Bethlehem too, and we will see again the reality, the light and the love and the heat and the joy and the glory that is found in Jesus Christ. And we could have our affections turned because when our worship is where it's supposed to be, all of life comes into view. And that is the opportunity of this series. Renewed worship, renewed perspective. Listen, listen. Renewed purpose, renewed purpose. Renewed purpose because it's the, it's the gospel. The gospel really in some ways beginning at Christmas in the flesh that we might live and, and never die. It's the opportunity. I love Christmas time for this reason. I love Christmas time for this reason. Who's excited to get a Christmas tree? Anyone? Who's gotten a Christmas tree already? Anyone? Anyone? Bless your hearts. Wow, you're, you're pretty good. Well, I'm excited to get a Christmas tree. I'm really excited to get a Christmas tree. A real one, of course. Right, right, right. You know why, too? Because you're sitting there on the Christmas tree, and for me, this is really the main idea. I get up early, I turn the Christmas lights, and I sit by it, and it's an opportunity to be still and know that he is God still. And on the throne, and I ponder the beauty and the reality of the incarnation, I sit there for moments and moments by myself and with a cup of coffee, whatever it is, and sitting there and loving my Savior with a joy, the joy that is felt because you know you're alive in him and what he's done for you. That's why I'm excited about the Christmas tree. It looks pretty, <laughs> but it allows me, it allows me to know the one who's so beautiful. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Hey, listen, love, Christmas time can be fantastic God time, fantastic God time, presents, whatever, eggnog, whatever, you know, holy jolly Christmas, whatever, whatever. Jesus Christ, yes, yes. And when the worship is there, I mean, it's already happening in my life already. I'm just so thankful for that. Even singing tonight, just thankful for that. There's no joy more fully known than when our eyes are on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, this is why Christmas time is such a potentially awesome time. Let's get started on the astounding glory of the incarnation. Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at basically one verse. One verse this weekend. And I know there's some, as we talk about the reality of the incarnation, I know there's some of us right now that are, in all honesty, they're like, incarn, incarn what? In, incarn, what? What is the incarnation? Like the glory of the, I don't even know what that word means. I've like heard it maybe before, but I don't, well, let's just make sure that we get on the same page right now then, okay? Because this is a word that there's lots of grace if you don't know this word today, but there's no grace after the service, all right? All right, because we're here together and we're learning this right now. We gotta know this. 
We got to know what, what is the incarnation. Here's a definition, a combining of kind of two definitions, Don Carson and Wayne Grudem actually. And the incarnation is the infleshing. So uh, incarnation comes from a root of a Latin word called um, carne. And carne means flesh. And that's actually in the Latin Vulgate, that translation was so used and the word incarnation showed up, it actually trans, uh, transformed and bled into the English language as well, where we get our word incarnation. It's the infleshing of God, or another way to say it, it's the act of God the Son, whereby he took to himself a human nature. That is the incarnation. God becoming flesh. God stepping from pre-incarnate glory, eternal God stepping into time, and ready for this, taking on a human body. I mean, boom, incredible, it's awesome. That is, that is the glory of the incarnation. And one of the clearest expressions in all of Scripture as to the clarity and the reality of the incarnation is our verse today, John 1, verse 14. Take a look what it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look again at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're going to have a few truths that we're going to take from this one verse here today on the reality and the astounding glory of the incarnation. Here's the first truth. So the incarnation is this. Ready? God became man. God became man. Astounding. God became man. Astounding. And if our prayers are answered, even starting right now, and we will truly believe to see this again. It is astounding. We will feel the reality of the astounding truth found in the incarnation of Jesus Christ taking on flesh. So again, verse 14 says, and the word became flesh. Now notice first the word, word. Look at the word there. That is word. And notice what is prominent about that word, word. It is, it's a capital W. And why is it a capital W? Well, this necessitates that we look back now to the first five verses of John chapter 1. This builds our context. This helps us understand. So look at John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice verse 2. He. He. So now we're starting to find something out about this Word. It's a person. He was in the beginning with God. I love these verses so much to you. Do you? I mean, they're just... Notice, notice, verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. But we're not done yet. Verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. I love verse 5. You kind of worried about our dark world right now? You kind of losing some hope and getting discouraged and find yourself biting your nails a little more often? Well, let, let, let verse 5 cheer you up a little bit, all right? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yeah, that was a good spot for an amen. That was a great spot for an amen. So notice, notice this, so powerful here. The Word in verses 1 and 2, the Word is the expression of God. 
The word is the definition of God. The word is God communicating with his creation. So Bobby, you and I love you, appreciate you. And one of the ways that I know that I love you is because you at some point have communicated with me with words that has allowed me to see your heart. Now, we could have a relationship and I could stare at you for 10 minutes, an hour, 24 hours. I could just stare at you, but there'd be little I could actually take from what you're like inside. But the moment you begin to speak and the moment you communicate with words, then all of a sudden I start to see Bobby's heart. I start to see kind of what God is. I get to hear about what he's like and who he is. When God wanted to show us who he was in a perfectly beautiful way, he began to express to his creation a way he's never done before by sending his son, the word of God. And that is why in Hebrews chapter 1 it says, and long ago God has spoken to us by the prophets, by now God has spoken to us through his son. The word is the definition, the expression, the communication of God. And notice this word, of course, then as a person is none other than the Son of God himself. It's a he, it's a him. He's a him, he's a he. And notice a person who is, verse 1, eternal. The word is eternal. In the beginning was the word, the beginning. He was never born. He has always existed. He's eternal with God the Father and God the Spirit. Notice he was with God, a person who was eternal and, listen, was God. Right there in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So this Word is God himself. Whoever this person is, man, he's pretty special because he is God. Notice this person is creator. Creator of all things. All things were made through him. So another reason I love the Christmas tree is because the Christmas tree Reminds me, again, of the one who created all things as I look into its beauty, especially real Christmas trees. Right? You say, well, I got a fake Christmas tree. Well, every part that has actually been made to make that fake Christmas tree, it all began with God. So you two in your own lesser version of my version can look at that and be like, man, God, the creator of all things. Don't you love the perfect symmetry of a Christmas tree though and you're just kind of looking at it as one more example of infinite creation the glory of God all things were made through him nothing was made that was not made by him awesome he's creator notice this person is the very source of life verse 4 in him was life you're here right now you're looking for life there's some of you right now man you are looking for life you don't have it you're dead discouraged, depressed, in darkness. Jesus is your answer. Jesus is life. In him is life. And notice, and the life was the light of man. Don't you see? Don't you see? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one. The word of God is the son of God revealed in the person of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's life, he's light. And then in verse five, this person reigns supreme. He will be victorious. He will not ever be defeated. This light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You're here right now again, you're in darkness and you know it, you're afraid to admit it, but you are. Darkness all around you, no hope, no future, no purpose, your sin is killing you. Jesus is your light. Jesus is life. 
There's a young person here right now, and you need the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been pushing him off for way too long. You've been like, no, I want me. No, I want me. I want, and then you find yourself in darkness. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in his love and his grace and his patience and his glory, he shines again into your life and heart. And he says, my child, won't you come and find true life and light with me and me alone? That is the power of the glory of the incarnation, which leads to the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just think, this is the word of God that we read about in these first verses of John's gospel. Jesus Christ is the word of God. Think about it. He's eternal, omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere, all times, transcendent. He is infinite. Men, consider all of that to come here and say this right now. Consider the wonder. Consider the glory then. Consider the mind-blowing truth, the flabbergasting reality now of verse 14. And the Word, the infinite, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, awesome God. And the Word became flesh. You know, and you read it and you understand the context. I mean, my first response is like, what? That's got to be a typo. But there are no titles in God's word, are there? Not one. Did your Bible say that too? The word became flesh? Does it? Does it? Good, good. That means you have good translation, right? And the word became flesh. Incredible. Astounding. Think about this. The God of all eternity stepped down, entered into time, and took on human flesh. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, left pre-incarnate glory and chose to dwell with his creation. You know, one of my goals each week, and I, I hope this happens in this series, one of my goals in this series each week, and we have four weekends and then Christmas Eve as well, Lord willing, is to show some incarnation lyrics from popular Christmas hymns or songs. Now, why do I want to do that? Well, I want to do that because my prayer this Christmas season, and I mean this sincerely, my prayer for all of us this Christmas season is that you will weep for joy over the doctrine of the incarnation. I'm serious. I'm, I'm praying you will weep. You will cry like a baby if necessary. You will shed tears and weep with joy over the reality again of the glory of the incarnation. My specific prayer is for the beautiful people of Harvest Oakville, that they would shed beautiful tears of beautiful joy over the reality of the love and what Jesus Christ did for you. I pray so much. I am praying for you and for me and for my family and for our church that the hustle and bustle and the consumerism of Christmas will easily fade away and you won't even desire it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you'll see, you'll go, eh, eh, the world, eh and just push it aside and be like, I just want Jesus. That's possible. That's a prayer God loves to answer. So here's some lyrics from Mary, Did You Know? Mary, did you know, this is one of the verses in there, that your baby boy, by the way, we're, Lord willing, we're singing this on Christmas Eve, and it's going to be awesome, all right? It's a little bit of a, little bit of a preview and heads up. We're praying that in, okay? I want to say, I can't wait for that moment. I cannot wait. Just praying people would be weeping for joy. You know what I'm saying? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? 
Did you know, I just, you kind of want to sing it, right? But we're not going to do that right now, okay? Yeah. Did you know, did you know your babies walked where angels trod? And when you kissed your little baby, you have kissed the face of God. It's awesome, isn't it? I mean, just like, it's just like, you know, don't let it, amen. Want to clap for that? We clap for that, amen. He is worthy of our praise. Here's the next part. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? All things made through him. It's really, it's John 1. Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding <laughs> is the great I am. Like when you, you, you try to put that in your finite mind, this little child you're holding is the great I am. Incredible. Incredible. Astounding. Astounding is the word of choice. Of one's the wonder, the humility, the, the humiliation that the word became flesh. And listen, listen, listen. Look here, look here, look here. And you know why he came. If you are alive in Christ, you know why he came. Why did he subject himself to such humility and humiliation? He did this because he loves you. And he did this because he was sent to die. You know why he came. Oh, we don't take this for granted. No, we do not take this for granted. No, we do not casually sing these songs and let it pass over and move on to the real things we want. No, no, we don't do that if we're listening to Christ. If we're filled with God's spirit, we don't do that. We weep. For joy over the love and the power of the reality of the incarnation. Thank him, love him, adore him, that he was willing to take on flesh. J.A. Packer, he puts it this way. He says, the divine son became a Jew. The almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby. Unable to do more than lie and stare and wiggle and make some noises. He needed to be fed and changed and taught to talk and live like any other child. And the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. The second person of the Trinity, the eternal God, the all-knowing, all-powerful, subjects himself to become one of us. God became man. Astounding. I want to make sure we understand this. Within the doctrine of the incarnation, when Jesus Christ becomes man, he does not cease to be God. He is fully God all times. And in the incarnation, he becomes and takes on fully man as well. The fancy theological term for this that theologians have used for many, many years and decades now is this is called the hypostatic union if you want to sound smart you can use that and people will be impressed around you if you want to be humble you can just say jesus christ was i shouldn't even say that because then some people think they're proud when they say it so that's not fair we won't do that so i'll stick to my notes okay so, so when jesus christ says fully god fully man it is also called the hypostatic union when jesus christ becomes flesh it means that he is one person and he has two natures fully god fully man he takes on a human body, and one does not diminish the other. 
Remember, he doesn't take on a human body. He takes on all things human, human mind, human emotions, human will. Why does he do this? Why, Why fully man? Well, that in every respect he might identify with us. Because Jesus Christ is fully man, I want you to hear this. That means every single thing you're going through right now, he can relate to. And he understands because he is tempted like we are and yet without sin, he chose to become flesh that ultimately he would die for us. And the word became flesh. And the word became flesh. Now, hey, hey, we think about it this way. No wonder the angels sang, huh? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be singing too? When God decided to take on human flesh? No wonder the shepherds ran, wouldn't you? No wonder the wise men bowed down and worshiped, wouldn't you? No wonder Mary sat there and pondered these incredible things, wouldn't you? No wonder Simeon, as he held the baby Jesus, says, I can die now. I can die now because my eyes have seen your salvation, wouldn't you? Hey, listen, when you truly hold the Christ child by faith and see him for who he is, you can die too because there's nothing else you need in this life. There's nothing else when you know that you hold the Christ child in your arms who will die for your sins, be raised from the dead, that you will never, ever die yourself and nothing can separate you from the love of God. When you truly know you are holding the Christ child, you can too say, I am ready to die because all of life has been found in this tiny child, the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. It's simply astounding. The incarnation. God becomes man, astounding. Secondly, God dwells with man. Astonishing. Astonishing. Look at verse 14 again. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And dwelt among us. So the words of this verse might be short in length, but wow, are they long and deep in truth and wonder and majesty. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So God became flesh what, what, why? To live among his creation. To become a human being and live among those that he created. Again, astonishing. Now, do you see the word dwelt there? The word dwelt there, that is literally, how the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Tabernacled among us. Uh, pitched his tent among us. Now, why is that significant? Because if you consider the biblical theology of the tabernacle, Throughout Scripture, this starts to blow your mind as well. It starts to uh, feed your heart with love and, and adoration as well. Because what was the Old Testament tabernacle? The Old Testament tabernacle was that which God moved in and lived in with His people. It was the tabernacle that signified and housed the presence of God. So just wrap your mind around the theology that's found in John 1 verse 14 then. The presence of God that was in the tabernacle for those hundreds of years or the temple within the Old Testament has now, ready? The presence of God has now been placed in a human body in the person of Jesus Christ. No wonder then Gabriel said to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 35, he said, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, an Old Testament term for God, of course, will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called, the only child ever, ever born to be called this. No other child in the history of the world 
has been born and called holy. The child to be born to you shall be called holy. Holy, why? Because he is the son of God. Because he is the son of God. He chose to tabernacle among us. He chose to dwell among us. So don't you see this again? Again, the biblical theology is so beautiful. The Old Testament tabernacle points forward to the perfect, true tabernacle found in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8 talks all about this and Hebrews 9. If you want to be fired up, if you want to do further study, go read Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 9 and you read about the earthly tent, tabernacle, Old Testament, compared with the true tent or the heavenly tent, the perfect tent, Hebrews 9, in Jesus Christ. God says enough with the temporary and the old covenant, now the new covenant found in the presence in the true tabernacle, the true tent that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Astonishing. God is dwelling now on earth. The presence of God has made himself visible in terms of taking on human form to save, to redeem, to shine his glory. You tell me how awesome is our God. How awesome is our Savior? How, how, how worthy He is of our worship. Just think, the presence of God in the flesh dwelling among us. He lived as one of us. I mean, really, again, and who would have dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hand? And who would have dreamed? Well, God knew what He was going to do. Think about Jesus when He came and He chose to dwell among us. Just think about it. He chose to be born to a woman and all that's involved in human birth. He chose to do that. He grew from infancy. He subjected himself as a toddler that needed to be fed and then grew up towards manhood and had to learn how to walk and, and learn how to read and learn about how to conduct himself. He, Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature. This is, this is the eternal God we're talking about right now. And like us, he hungered. He thirsted, he ate, he drank, he grew tired, he got weary, he slept, he marveled, he had emotion, he felt pain, he rejoiced, he wept, he prayed, he read, he suffered, he was tempted, he submitted to the will of his father, and then finally in his human body, which he allowed himself to take on, he suffered severely, he was mocked, he was spit upon, he was beaten, he bled, he died a horrible death on a Roman cross for something he did not do. He was buried. He was raised. All in his human body, he ascended into heaven. And one day soon, he will return in his human body to gather his church and to judge the earth. All of this because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. All of this he chose. Astonishing. So I couldn't resist. One more Christmas hymn I want you to see. I hope I don't run out of them by Christmas Eve, huh? And there's lots. Christ, Hark the Herald, of course, you know. Christ by high, think of how much of the theology written in this hymn that we're talking about even right now, okay? Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting. He was in the beginning with God. He was, with, he was God. 
Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come. And the Word became flesh, offspring of a, vir- a virgin's womb, dwelt among us. Veiled in flesh, John 1, 14. The Godhead see, hail the incarnate, deity. And look at this. Ready? This is for you. This is for you and me right here. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Willingly, pleased. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. My prayer is you weep. Weep for joy. How come y'all aren't weeping yet? How come? Just joking. I'm just joking. I pray you will, man. Like, hey, this week, man, I sat in my study, overcome. Overcome with the with the glow, with the beauty, with the love, with the really? Like, I'm so I'm so sinful. I'm so wicked. I, I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve I deserve God's I, I deserve to be separated from God forever, but pleased as man with man to dwell. You came with us because you'll die for us? You'll die for me? That I might live? Really? It's really. Really. It's astonishing. Hey, there's some light shining in the room right now, and I'm praying that the heat is starting to kind of be turned up as well. The heat of affection. The heat of adoration. I'm telling you right now too, man, this is what you right now, those who are being moved by God's spirit in a certain way and through the service right now, what you are encountering, what you are, as I am even now, as I preach God's holy word, you are encountering the living God. And when you encounter the living God, it makes the rest of the world seem a dung. Are you feeling that even now? Do you understand the glory and the satisfaction and the joy that is found? And you can't get this anywhere else in the world. You can have all the Christmas presents piled up all you want. You can get the biggest house. You can get the most money you ever want. You can have the best relationships you think you deserve or the best job. It'll never, ever amount to the joy that is found and known in Jesus Christ. When you can sit by yourself in a room with an open Bible and before the living God, honor him and worship him and rejoice in him that he has set you free from sin and death and tears stream down your face and the satisfaction you feel and the joy that you know and the love that overcomes you because your God has drawn near as you draw near to him. Nothing equates, nothing equates with God in the entire universe of our experience in the world compared to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate. This is the power. And this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity as men and women of God who want life at its fullest, the abundant life only found in Jesus Christ. Run from your sin. Who's here? Run from your sin. Turn from your idols. Smash them. Forget your life of sexual immorality. Run from it. Turn to the way that is true and right and pure and of Christ. How jealous he is for our love, how much he deserves our love. My challenge for you this Christmas season is when you hear a song like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, maybe in your car, maybe in a shopping mall, maybe wherever, my challenge for you is to stop just long enough and close your eyes, maybe not while driving. But close your eyes if you can and just consider the words 
that most of the world will hear and just one ear out the other. You can stop long enough and just, just say, thank you, Jesus Christ. For you were born that you may die, that I may be free. The incarnation, God became man astounding. God dwells with man astonishing. Thirdly, this, the incarnation. God reveals his glory to man. Awesome. Awesome. Now, when I say awesome there, that's not skateboarder awesome, okay? Awesome. Or, okay, yeah. Hey, no offense, skateboarders, skateboarders, love you. Hey, no offense, no offense, okay? But often it's not too deep of an awesome that's usually used in that context, okay? But this awesome is like, like, it is a sincere, like, not my, you know, hamburger is awesome. This is, this is when I see the incarnation, it is awesome. Like, almost a hushed, stilled, awesome. That's what the Lord deserves. That's what the Lord wants to do. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the tabernacle, temporary tabernacle of the Old Testament, is replaced by the true tabernacle in Jesus Christ. Why? That he might reveal his glory. We might see the glory in so many ways that glory shines into the hearts of men. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God has said, let there be light in darkness, has shone light into our hearts that we might see the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, that is awesome. He has revealed his glory. The incarnation puts his glory on a pedestal in a way that's never been shown before. When Jesus Christ dies on the cross, his glory is being shown. He is raised from the dead. His glory is being shown. The true tent. You know, Moses, Moses said to God, show me your glory. But Moses was warned by God, you can't look too closely or you will die. But now us, loved ones, us, we are gazing upon the incarnation of Christ and when faith leads to sight, when faith leads to sight, what happens? We behold the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face, listen, listen, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ from one degree of glory to another. I mean, that just God's word is so awesome. We all with unveiled face, unlike Moses, we can see because of the incarnation, because of Jesus Christ and dying for our sins and raised from the dead, unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image of his Son from one degree of glory to another. The disciples on earth with Jesus didn't get it at first. Uh, his glory was veiled enough. And yet there was glimpses of his glory, but then they... They, they would see it. John 1.14 almost certainly in part is a referring to the transfiguration. And the transfiguration, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John on the mountain and he is transfigured before them in a brilliant white of glory that shines around them in the magnificent display of the deity of Jesus Christ. And remember what, remember what Peter says? When Jesus is transfigured before them, Peter says in every account of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Peter says this, he says, Master, it is good that we are here. Bless Peter's heart, huh? You know what he's saying? He's like, 
I'm terrified of the glory of the Lord, but there's nothing more beautiful than the glory of the Lord. There is no place I want to be that in the glory of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Master, it is good. It is good that we are here. Yes, it might be terrifying. It is wonderfully terrifying. It is perfectly beautiful. So this Christmas, may we gaze upon the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, loved ones, when you, and we're getting a little taste of it even now, when you gaze upon the true glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is why he came, and why he gives us his spirit even now, when you gaze upon the Lord, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what trial you're in, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, no matter what problem, what doubt, what fear, what fatigue, or what hope you may be looking for, when you gaze upon the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything, everything again comes together in the beauty of God. Because this is, this is what God does. The peace, the hope, the love. The unity of the Spirit in our life. When you gaze upon the glory, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, okay? The reason many of us lack peace is we love our glory more than Christ's glory. And that's why we're so fretting and so worried. That's why we're so disturbed. Because if truth be told, we don't take time to gaze upon the glory of the Lord. And so then we're left to our own devices and our own version of that, which will never, ever work. This applies to every single person in this room right now. You gaze upon the glory of the Lord. You set your eyes upon him. You make it about him. You trust him. I'm not saying life is easy. I'm not saying there aren't massive issues in this room. There are. I'm saying, though, you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is when life comes into view. I also want to speak to the lost sinner here today. The lost sinner. And I believe there are some here right now. Your sin is killing you. Your sin, it's devastating you. Your sin that is destroying all your joy. To the lost sinner here today in the futility and the darkness of our world and the hopelessness of our society. Our society is so hopeless. It seems so smart and so right sometimes and yet you just give it a few moments. It's so wrong and so done. Listen, listen, lost sinner, lost sinner. Jesus Christ shines into your life and heart this day. Jesus Christ is the answer, is the answer. His glory is the answer to all your fears. Don't you see, don't you see? The purpose of the incarnation was that he was born to die for your sin. I've said it like 10 times in this message. I want you to hear and hear and hear and hear. The lost sinner in the room, do not wait, do not wait. Come to Jesus today. Give your life to Jesus today. Do not wait another moment. Believe and you will see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you will live. Here's a poem that's written about the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. It says in our text, it says, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know glory in Hebrew, it means weight. We see in the incarnation the weight of glory, the value of life. So this is why when Simeon, one of my favorite stories at Christmas, you know that if you know me at all, when Simeon's holding baby Jesus, he knows in that moment he's holding the weight of glory. 
when Peter falls down in the boat with the catch of fish and he's so broken in his sin, but so overcome with what the glory he knows he's bowing before the weight of glory when the roman soldier who watched jesus die and the the sky gets dark and the earth begins to quake he knows he's watching the weight of glory die when thomas who had doubted and he sets his eyes upon the risen jesus christ and his scars and wounds to prove that he has risen thomas in that moment knows his eyes have been set upon the weight of glory and he says my lord and my god there's nothing like setting your eyes upon the true weight of glory. And why did Jesus Christ come? He came to reveal his glory that we might say, awesome. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father. The only son, the one and only Jesus Christ, God incarnate, Lord of glory. No wonder then the angels sang, glory to God in the highest. Glory, because what else can you say? It's the beauty and the power of the incarnation. So, there's the light shining right now, man, upon us as a church. And now we pray with that light will come heat. The heat of affection and adoration for the God, the one God who is worthy of our praise. Let's pray. That's my, that's my request, Lord tears of thankfulness and joy over the doctrine of the incarnation light shining heat producing truth father i beg you that you will save souls today i ask you that you have revealed yourself already to different hearts in this room right now or those listening and you will call them from death to life. You will allow them to see the death of sin and to see the life of Christ. I pray for the first time ever they have known that the word became flesh and dwelt among us to show us his glory, full of grace and truth, that we might truly live. Oh Lord, would you give the gift of faith? Why? That one more life, many more lives would be used to give you glory. You're the answer, Jesus Christ. You are the answer. And so I pray even now, we can sing with the angels too. Glory to God.